Super excited to be here tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time at Journey Lookout, because I don't know if you guys know what you're in for. This is who we are every week. It sounded like God was trying to get a message out to someone. Hopefully, I'm going to decode it for you if you're here. We're super stoked about what God is doing in our church. And if you're new for the first time, this is where we celebrate. And tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock, we don't let holidays get in, in the way of what Jesus wants to do. So we will be here tomorrow. It'll be a different message. It'll probably be a better message. So if you don't like today, come tomorrow. Seriously. We've been making tamales all day. So this could be more of a tamale message than a Christmas Eve message. We're so excited to celebrate Christmas in Camarillo and in Ventura County and in this world. All across the country and through the world, people are celebrating this birth. And today, we're going to talk about behold a Savior, behold the Savior, and what that means. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we get all excited about a baby? Right? I, I was talking to a friend of mine, welcoming her, the, her and her husband that I married a while back, had a baby coming. Why do we celebrate babies? Why would we celebrate the birth? And even that is, if the last time you were at church, you were talking about the resurrection or a baby, you get to church a little bit more often. It's the same message every year, Jeff. It means you need to get to church a little bit more because on Christmas, we celebrate a baby for many reasons. It reminds us of what the season is really about. It challenges those that come to church every so often. It challenges them to say, am I really right with God? Am I really seeking God? Is there something more for me? And for those that are Christians that call themselves a Christian, it reminds them, this is what I am. It allows us to renew and be refreshed as we go into the holiday season. We come in on a Christmas Eve night going, I'm bankrupt. And I need the hope of the Lord. <laughs> and hopefully I didn't over credit card. And the truth is, that's what we want to do on Christmas Eve. We want to celebrate the baby. We want to be challenged. We want to be renewed. And for those that don't know Jesus, those that are here begrudgingly, welcome. It's a good place. We're going to give you real Christianity. We're going to challenge you. We're going to convict you. But we're also going to act and walk the way that we're supposed to walk. So if you're here, a special welcome. And come back tomorrow if you really feel inclined. 11 o'clock, it should be really fun. Uh, great music and, uh, and uh, a better message. So I'm kidding. I'm really kidding. What makes a baby different? I got a little picture of a baby. It's not mine. But look at that. What makes a baby different? What brings, you're going to bring in a baby into the world. All of you came into the world the same way. What makes a baby different? Well, I want you to think about it. Yeah, the genealogy does. Yeah, the DNA does. Yeah, the fingerprints and the facial recognition and your profile and your ears. Nowadays, there's all kinds of things that make us unique. But what really makes it different? Is it just the genealogy? Am I just DNA 15479? That's my Costco number if you need it. <laughs> or is there something more? Is there something more? Actually, the truth is, what's more is my identity. My DNA is one thing, but my identity is crucial. It shows the world who I really am. And my name is Jeff Rodriguez, and there's probably a hundred in this area. I know they are on the internet, or there might be thousands across the world. But my parents named me Jeff. 
And that's my identity. That's what I roll with day in and day out. A name really makes us who we are. Today, we're going to talk about Jesus and why they called him baby Jesus and how he grew to be the Savior and the Messiah, the God with us. We're going to communicate. Think about back in the day when a little baby came into the world. A Jewish name usually means a lot more than an American name. American names were like, I'm going to name my kid something cool so that when he becomes a football player on The Voice that they're going to go, oh, look at that name's cool. That's what we name American names. In the Jewish culture, they named uh, a baby for what they were and what they were going to be about. And they were a lot of prophetic, meaning futuristic names, thinking this is who this baby is and this is who he's going to become. And it was pretty amazing how that worked out. Tonight, I want to look at three names. If you got notes, they were handed out at the beginning. There's three names that we're going to look at. Jesus, Messiah, and Emmanuel. Those are the things that we're going to look at. And so as we read tonight, I want you to look at those three names and really kind of figure out what those mean to you. In the Bible, if you have a Bible, you don't have to have one right now, but if you have a Bible in the Old Testament, which is in the front of the Bible, there's all kinds of information, if you study it, that you can see Jesus from the Old Testament. And if you look into the New Testament, the New Testament gives us a better understanding of who Jesus is. Now, in the birth of Jesus, when Jesus was born on that Christmas morning, and it might have been the 25th, it might have been June or January 6th, it doesn't, we don't know, we just pick a date and celebrate it because that's important for Christians. But in the Bible, there's at least six prophecies, and there are tons of scriptures that point thousands or hundreds of years before Jesus. And here's a list of them if you get a chance to look at them. Jeremiah's got two verses that prophetically speak about Jesus coming. Isaiah's got at least two, maybe three, at Isaiah 9. You've got Genesis 49 and 22, and probably Genesis 3:15. At the very beginning of the Bible, there's this verse that talks about this woman having a child. And that seed is going to come in and trump the devil. And finally, Micah talks about who Jesus is, where he's going to be born, and how he's going to be special. In the Bible, you see the Old Testament pointing to Jesus that there is someone that's going to come. They're going to call him the Messiah, and he's going to be an everlasting God. The New Testament gives us a better explanation of who Jesus is. Today, we're going to start right at the beginning of the New Testament. If you have a Bible and you get to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1 is the beginning. Now, we're going to skip through the genealogy, all these names that I can hardly pronounce, and I'm sure you can as well. But we're going to open up and we're going to go from Matthew 1, 18, and we're going to read a few verses about the birth of Jesus. So if you are able to stand, what we do at this church is we stand up because God's word transformed my life and he wants to transform lives around us. So let's stand, let's read, let's celebrate the birth of Jesus. So this is actually the first text after the genealogy. And it says this, Matthew 1.18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she, found, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her, public, expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce, divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. 
All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through prophets. All of this took place in the Old Testament. All of this took place so that we could be here today. And then it would say, Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do, and he took Mary home to be his wife. He did not consummate the marriage until after she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise. We come in the name of Jesus to celebrate you, Lord, to lift up those that don't know you, to challenge those that do, and to refresh those that want to seek the Lord, the love of the Lord and let it go forward. So, Father, we honor you. We praise you. We ask you speak. And you do great things tonight in us. Get our hearts right with you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. If you don't know what consummate is, uh, take down an email, Jeremy at Journey of the Church. He loves to answer all kinds of questions. Those are more technical questions I don't get into. So at the end of this, there's a saying, and the saying says, and he gave him the name of Jesus. That's the name that he has. Now, what's the deal with this baby's name? Does the baby have three names? The Bible says that there's all kinds of names that Jesus is called many names. Does the Bible have, or does Jesus have more than one name? We called him Messiah. We called him God with us. And they called him Jesus. Are we confused? Is there a conflict here? Or is Jesus really not that important? Is his name not that important? Well, hopefully today we'll grab a hold of that. Let me kind of explain why he has some different titles and, and descriptions beyond his name. My name is Jeff Rodriguez. Now, some in the church that come here might call me outside of church. Hey, Pastor Jeff. Pastor is just an adjective that kind of titles me into the community. Some that are married to me might call me husband. My, yeah, poor Liz, huh? Some, my mom might call me son, Jeff. We have all these things, and what they do is describe, and they're my title. Just like Jesus. Jesus is his real name, but he has these other things, these adjectives, these descriptive words that show the world who he was going to be. How would we know that some random boy born in Bethlehem named Jesus, that was probably a very common name, was the right one? It's because when he came, people knew the title and the descriptions, and they knew the time of day, and they knew God was going to bring something, and people were waiting for those signs. That's what we see here. In Isaiah 9, 6, we see some great descriptive names of who, or titles of who Jesus will be. Wonderful counselor. If you've ever been in a pickle or if you've ever been in an issue in your life, Jesus comes in and starts counseling you through the Holy Spirit to get beyond that. Breaking down the walls of anger and frustration and spiritual attacks so that you can be counseled into a new place. It's also called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If you are in the midst of struggle, if you've gone too far on your bank account for Christmas, the God of the universe can bring peace and change your attitude next year so we don't do it again. I've been there and it's not healthy. We have a God that has all these titles, but his name is Jesus. Jesus came into human form and wanted to do great things amongst us. 
And he's here today through his spirit communicating to believers and non-believers, talking about what it means to go into the world and live a life for Jesus. That's why he came. He wants to transform and change peoples. We look at our text, you can see these names stand out. They said in verse 21, she will give birth and you are to call him Jesus. The angel comes and says, you're going to have a kid and you're going to call him Jesus. And then the the definition is Jesus is going to be the one who saves us from sin. Now today what I want to do is I want to look at these three, the, the, the one name and two titles. And I want to give you the, the definition, and I want to give you some application so that you can walk out of here filled with something beyond tamales or cookies or prime rib later. But you'll have a filling of food that you can nibble on, and it could last you through the end of the year and into 2017. One name, two titles, that's what we're talking about in this text tonight. The first name we've talked about is Jesus. That word means in Greek, Savior or salvation. And in the Hebrew, it's, it's Yeshua, which means Savior. Jesus is the Savior of the world. That's what his name is. That's the power of who Jesus is. The name has something specific to him. And when you believe in him, it brings power upon you, not because of you, but because of who he is. And his titles that describe him. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 15. The apostle Paul is writing to a young pastor in Ephesus. He's writing to a young pastor. And he's trying to explain to him at the very beginning. Listen. This is a good saying that you need to grab a hold of. Now here's what he writes to this young pastor. He says this. This is a trustworthy saying. Everyone should accept it. Now think about that for a second and contemplate that. Paul's writing and saying, what I'm telling you, everybody in this room, this is a trustworthy saying. When that says something in the Bible, you should stop and think, behold, and look and say, what is he really trying to say? This is something that we should grab a hold of. Everyone should accept it. It's not forcing it down your throat. If somebody brought you here begrudgingly, they forced you here, but God wants you here. And it's not saying you have to accept it. It says you should accept it because it could bless you and the people around you. And here's what it says. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then the apostle Paul puts this banner over his head. I'm the worst of them all. I relate to that. I don't know if you guys know my story, but I feel like many Sundays and many Wednesdays and many days through the year that I might be the biggest sinner out of everybody in the room. But because of God, he's transformed me and he's put me up here to share that love. So the Savior of Jesus is critical. And Timothy receives this message and says, this is how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to put this trustworthy saying into action. We'll get back to that in a little bit about application. The second name that we see or title is actually Messiah or Christ. Do you know this is my, my Jeremy Case was playing the ukulele. He's the other pastor up here. Jeff Foss is the worship pastor. And uh, Jeremy always says, Jesus Christ, Christ isn't his last name. It isn't. Jesus is his name. And it actually should be Jesus the Christ or Jesus the Messiah. It's a title of who he is. It really means in the Hebrew, he's anointed. 
He's the one that we've been waiting for. He's the one that the world has been uh, uh, yearning for back 2,000 years ago. He's the one today in this room and in this county and in this country and in this world that people are clinging to and their lives are being radically transformed. That's the Messiah that we're talking about. And in, in Revelation chapter 6, the actual title Messiah is Lord of Lord. He's kingship. He is our lordship. Now, Americans struggle with kings and queens because we don't understand them. But most countries that do understand what the king says goes. And there's no other word above him. And Jesus comes and says, I am the Messiah, the one that you've been waiting for. My words are Lord and Savior. Or my words are lording over you, not in a begrudging way, in a loving way. He wants to bring us to his fold. In Revelation 19, 16, he says this. And um, not to get into it, but there's this whole thing about a, a thigh contract, and it's in this. Um, I don't want to get confused on this, but here it says, On his robe at his thigh was written this title. Lord of King, uh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's who the Messiah really is. Lord of Lord and King of Kings. He's better and bigger and, and more badder. Is that the right word? <laughs> Any English majors here? That's better, thanks. He's better than all other kings that have ever walked. Past present and future. He's the Lord. He's the Messiah. He's what the world is hinging upon. Still today, after he walked 2,016 years ago. The last word is this, and it's Emmanuel, and sometimes it's got an I, sometimes it's got an E. It's just a translational issue. It's not a big deal. What is a big deal is this title, Emmanuel, says that the Messiah, the God of the universe, is actually going to be with you individually, personally, with us. He's here today. If you're not a believer, he's with the person next to you or in front of you or behind you or with a whole group of us. And he's here, and he knows my DNA. He knows that I'm not as funny as I think I am. He knows all of my faults and failures. He knows my strengths. He builds faith in me, and he drives me to be a better man through him. He's with us. And that's why we're here, because we know that we, we who call ourselves Christians have a God that is with us, and we want to give it away. That's why we put the tamales in the oven and put them on low cook. And we take some time out on Christmas Eve. But behold, Christmas Day is on a Sunday. But we don't stop for a holiday. We get up and do our job because Jesus is alive and wants to celebrate tomorrow as well. So a group of people will come here and celebrate and serve you what Jesus has because he is worthy to not take a holiday. So what does this mean? Jesus is his human name. Jesus is the God-man. He's the God-man, 100% man, 100% God. He came in. His human name we call Jesus. His official title, Messiah or the Christ. And how do we describe him? He's one that's with us, Emmanuel. That's what we have. That's who we are celebrating. That's why we come on Christmas Eve. So that we look at this little baby and we realize that he is more than just a child. He's got a title and he's got a name and he's got a description that radically transforms all of us. 
What does it mean? What does that mean to me and you? You're sitting here and you're like, okay, now what? What do we do with this information? Even if you don't like it, what do we do with it? Well, let's do some application. How does it relate to me? You should be asking. You should be questioning. What is this to me? How does this work for me? And how is my life going to be changed because of what I've heard? What does it mean? I'll be honest with you. All I can do is relate it to my life. I know that I'm supposed to be some great pastor that's got all these analogies. The truth is it's not. I'm just a man that has the guts to come up because the Holy Spirit is saying, Jeff, you can do this. And here's what he told me. Tell him about you. So I'm going to give you some application about me. The day that I let Jesus become my Savior, he saved me from myself. If you're here today and your life is falling apart, get out of the way and put your Savior in the middle. There was a moment where my life was falling apart, the wheels were off the car, the engine was stolen, all the windows were broken, and all I could do was get on my knees and cry out to a Savior that was better than anything I could ever see or know. And I didn't believe it really at the time. I just had nowhere else to go to. I'd been to church. I'd heard a silly message like this many years and many Sundays, but I never really put the Savior inside of me. And so Jesus as Savior means I've got to come to the end of my rope. I've got to come to the last point and trust that the Savior of the universe could do something. And I made a deal with God. Probably not the best idea. But I gave him one year. That was like 14 and a half, almost 15 years ago. And I have yet to look back because God saves even knuckleheads like me. And if you're here today, he wants to transform you, he wants to build you up, and he wants to make you better than you've ever been. You have a Savior in Jesus. When I gave up control, the Lord started taking control in my life, radically transformed. So what does that mean? I got a couple of receipts here. This is like our life. This is like our life, our daily sins, the things that we have. I got this Ralph receipt. This is from a Christmas party. Oh, wow, it's a big one. It's got like $400 plus a $200 thing. This was a Christmas party that I was a part of. This is like your daily sin. This is a receipt, and your Savior comes in and says, Jeff, look at all that you've done today. Look at all you've done in the last hour. I want to take this receipt, and I want to get rid of it. Let me take the bill. And it's just not about money. He wants to take all of your personal sin, all of the things in your head, and he says, let me take the bill. Let me grab a hold of this so that you can move forward and no longer be stuck in your old life. That's what we're going to talk about tomorrow. The new has come. Jesus wants to take all of your bills, and I'm not talking about your, uh, your, your P&G and your mortgage. He's talking about your spiritual debt. The stuff that you owe the world and what's holding you back. And he says, I want to cancel that out. That's what a savior does. What does the, the Messiah mean to me? What does his lordship mean? What is the anointed one? Well, there came a point where I was sitting in a cell wondering if I was going to live my life as a criminal or I was going to be something else. And I had to make a decision. I had to choose, is he really going to be the Lord and Messiah over my life? Is he really the Christ or is he not? It's that simple. He's a decision and it's a choice. And when I made the choice, everything else followed. But we've got to come to choose and then continue to choose to follow Jesus, the Lord and Savior. 
Faith is a choice. Your lack of faith is still a choice. You're choosing not to believe. And Jesus says in Timothy, tell the people, this is a trustworthy saying, I am a savior, talking about the Lord, and I can transform life. You're choosing by not choosing to say, no, that's not true. I made a decision and I turned my life and I put his kingdom first one day at a time and I seek him still today. That's a decision that I make. That's an application that you can make. Very simple, but also very hard. The last one is God with us. Because of my faith and what I've heard, and I sat in a, I sat in a church right across the street for years, and then I became a pastor, but I was just like one of you one day, and God called me out of the seats. And after hearing messages and reading and being in Bible studies and having many more people that knew the Bible more than me telling me that God is alive and well and he's with us here today, my faith has grown to become enormous because other people have spoke into my heart and shown that he is with me. And I no longer need to fear. He is with you. He's with the people around you. He's that warm blanket. It's a little warm in here now. But he's that warm blanket that's here that's to protect you, to guide you, to dig you out of the hole, to fill all the gaps that you have in your life, and to help you as you go through marital issues, as you go through relation issues, as you go through spiritual or financial or whatever issues you're going with. He wants to be with you. And he also wants you to give up control and start driving. And for me, he wanted to put me in the trunk and duct tape me so I wouldn't get in the wheel anymore. Some of you need that, just like I did. Jesus is more than a teacher. A lot of religions are saying, yeah, he's a great teacher. Jesus is more than a charismatic preacher. He's more than that. Jesus is more than a prophet. Jesus is more than a great example to those in the world that they can look at. Jesus is so much more than a man with a great plan. Jesus is Lord and Savior. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the one that's here. He's the one that fills the room. And he's the one that we should worship and celebrate. So I'm going to invite the band back up as we close out today. And I just want to close with this. We always come to a point at this church, week in and week out, for you to make a decision, for you to make a response. Our church is a self, uh, we're not a serving church, meaning we don't get up and try and serve you and make sure that you're warm and comfortable. What we want you to do is get up and start making a move towards God, and then we come around you. That's the design. And it doesn't fit a lot of people because today we're consumers. I want to go to Outback. I want to go to P.F. Chang's, and I want them to serve me. And if they're good, I'll give them a tip. That's not this church. This church says to make a response, move closer to me, the Lord, and people at this church will come around you and love you like you've never been loved before. Amen. Now's your choice. The response is here. And you don't have to stand up and run and fall and say, Lord Jesus. You just need to do it in your chair. And you'll give the world the best gift. And you'll give yourself a best, uh, the best gift. It doesn't matter if you're 150. Can you be 150? <laughs> How about 115? I heard there's a lady that's like 112 or one, Or if you're five or three. God wants people to come in and know him. It's never too late. 
It's never too early to come and accept the Lord. And it's never too late to have Jesus in your heart. It's never too late. And today, the opportunity for us to know Jesus is here. It's alive. We need to surrender to a Savior. We need to put a Lord over us, a King that's better than anything that you've ever imagined. And then the outpouring of that is that he's here with us today. That's the God that I have. That's the God that we as our church, and on behalf of the church, we want to offer this to you that don't know Jesus. We've been praying for you. We've been handing out cards. We've been putting stuff on Facebook that people might come to know him by a card that's worth less than a cent. And someone here today is going to accept Jesus and have that radical transformation and they might never even come back to this church. They might go back home or they might go to Calvary or Crossroads or Cam Community. Praise God, we don't care because the kingdom is more important than this church. Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible has told me so. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you again, and I give you praise and thanks for who you are. Thank you that you have given us the willingness to come before you on Christmas Eve to celebrate the birth of your beloved son. Thank you that he comes and changes the world and takes sinners and makes them into saints. Lord, if there is someone here that needs that salvation push, if that's them today, if today's the day that you're calling, we will give that because that's what you want, Lord. It's a free gift. And we ask if there's someone here they can repeat after me. A simple prayer that enters you into the Lordship of Christ above you and the world behind you. Repeat after me if that's you. It says, Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my soul. And be my Lord, my Savior, my Messiah forever. I believe that you died upon that cross for me. And that three days later you rose so that I may have eternal life. Anoint me with your Holy Spirit so that I can experience you with me, Emmanuel, forever and always. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.